Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Tuesday edition of Yard. Did not record on Monday, and there's a couple of good reasons why. I was on the phone most of the day trying to get you guys some information. And we're down to the nitty-gritty, and I was like, you know what, I want to record this show, and then something changed, you know, because we had some guys that uh, were expected to make decisions on Monday. One of them did, another one did not. And so I will get into some of that uh, a little bit later in the show. Matter of fact, uh, we'll do that after the first break. But I wanted to give you guys kind of a signing day preview uh, as we get into this thing, and so I decided to wait and record that. you know, in the wee hours of Tuesday morning. So many of you are, are listening to this on the way to work, others on the way home. And so a lot of this information might be dated come tomorrow night. And so I just want to kind of give you guys an update on where things stand for Mississippi State football recruiting. As you guys know, there are three scholarships left to fill. What I mean by that is, is we've got 23 out of 26 signees already in the boat, many of them already on campus. And so what we'll do is we'll double back on Wednesday, and Wednesday we'll record after everything is settled, after the dust has settled and all the signed uh, signatures are in, we'll recap the class. Not just what we did, but we'll look at it in its totality and kind of address it. You know, we've got some, uh, some issues now, some ebb and flow with some defensive backs. It looked like last week that State might be getting two defensive backs Uh, Here at the end, now it looks like State's going to be lucky to get one. And so we'll explain that more in detail. And then, of course, uh, Mississippi State getting ready to play Arkansas in men's basketball. Women's basketball uh, will not play Vanderbilt. You may have forgotten, and I've seen some people on um, on the the Facebook groups kind of commenting about what happened with Vanderbilt. Well, Vanderbilt actually canceled their women's basketball season a couple of weeks back. And we talked about that on the show. And I know that not all Mississippi State fans listen to this show, but they should. Now, we've, we've addressed that and discussed it. And I know that there are a lot of people that are, that are true maroon that necess- aren't necessarily, uh, you know, well-read on things. And so, you know, one of the things that, uh, that I have learned in uh, keeping up with social media over the years is there is a difference between being well-read and well-connected. There are a lot of people that read and they pass off information as if uh, they're somehow in the know, except when there is... You know, when there's time to know something, they don't really know anything. They're just kind of parroting what other people say. And so I say that kind of as a cautionary uh, tale there is that, you know, kind of pay attention to folks that uh, have kind of been doing this a while. You know, it's easy to uh, to put together a message board handle or a Twitter handle or something like that. And, and uh, you kind of just throw something out there. And if things don't go well, you just make up another handle, right? I mean, there's no accountability. There's no credibility with that. It's not to say that... We don't have some well-informed posters over on Gene's page. I mean, we have some people uh, over there that are incredible recruit necks. I mean, they kind of keep up with everything. They read everything. They bring it back to the board, and they're good for the community. So I'm not necessarily talking about them. I'm just talking about there are some people out there that, you know, they get on a Facebook group, and they say, hey, I've heard this, and it's not rooted in fact at all. And a lot of times they have a question and want to kind of pretend they know more than they do in hopes that somebody else will fill in the blanks. But, um, you know, listen – we at Mississippi State, you know, we love all of our fans, whether they be alums or, you know, T-shirt and sidewalk alums or whatever. Uh, we're not a huge fan base. And so we need all comers, and that includes some bandwagoners. And there are some people that, uh, you know, kind of live their lives to blame Mississippi State. I guess it's one of those things about kind of resting your personal insecurities 
you know, on the things that you love. But, uh, you know, listen, if you want to win every game in every sport, uh, there's not a school out there that's going to be able to do that. But, um, you know, I love Mississippi State, as you guys do as well, which is why you're here. And so today we're going to kind of prepare you for what to expect on Wednesday, and then we'll kind of look beyond that. And, um, you know, I'm excited about this 2022 class, and we're going to go ahead and kind of jump into that next week. That's one of the things about us have doing such a good job of uh, – kind of allocating scholarship spots in December and the few weeks that followed, you know, with Makai Polk and Jalen Green and others, is that we kind of get a head start into 2022. Now, this 2021 in-state talent pool has not been especially deep. There are some guys that we have kind of quibbled with Ole Miss about that ordinarily would probably be like a top 15 type player. But this year, because of the fact there's not a lot of you know, true SEC players in the state of Mississippi, they take on some added importance. And so uh, I share that with you to kind of ramp up your enthusiasm for 2022. I, I believe there will be 30 or more players in the state of Mississippi in 2022 that get Power 5 scholarship offers. 30 or more. I think it's going to be an especially deep year. We're going to have a great set of headliners, but I think the real value in this class is going to be in guys 20 to 30. Those are the guys. I mean, those are that's the Jonathan Banks of the world, right? That's the John Banks. That's the Bernard McKinney's of the world. That's the Rufus Warrens of the world. You know, and to be fair, you know, Rufus maybe didn't have the career some other guys had, but, uh, you know, very, very true maroon guy. And so you've got to find value in those guys. So a three-star in 2022 is going to be much more valuable than a three-star in 2021. There are some guys I think kind of got kind of a default ranking in 2021 because there just wasn't a lot to pull from in the state of Mississippi. And so 2022 is going to be much different. In some position groups, we may not even need to leave the state of Mississippi to fill our needs. And that's a great thing because what happens is we go over to Alabama and Georgia and Florida and places like that, in many respects, we're just another offer And then we kind of benefit from the fact that we play in the SEC West. And then what happens is when the home state school gets involved, uh, you know, we lose a kid. And so it's helpful to be able to get those Mississippi guys because, by and large, many of those guys want to stay closer to home. There's a few of them out there that don't. But by and large, Mississippi guys, and I've run the numbers over over the years, had a couple of articles about this, that Mississippi guys – traditionally stay in Mississippi or go to border states. It's very rare that you see a guy go more than a state away, but it does happen on occasion. You know, Cam Akers kind of comes to mind, and recently Justin Wiley, who went uh, kind of halfway around the world to go play college football. But uh, be that as it may, it is a big year. I'm excited to talk about it. I'm excited to start breaking things down. And the fun part for me is identifying the, uh, the puzzle pieces as I shared on Gene's page earlier this week, many of the people that we're going to be fretting over in, say, November, December, are guys right now where you don't even know their names. Yeah, you know a handful of guys that, uh, you, know, you know, that have had offers for a couple of years or whatever, but there are a lot of guys out there that uh, are going to have a handful of offers, you know, come uh, summer that we're going to be excited about that we're not even talking about yet. You know, we've done some due diligence. We've talked to some sources. We've worked some of our high school connections. We've gotten some names, and I think we've got a really good working list. But every single day, we're finding out about somebody else. Every single day, there is some new player. There's a coach that hits us up and says, hey, my kid's got an offer from Memphis, or my kid's got an offer from Southern Miss, and getting interest from Mississippi State and Ole Miss. And so 
that excites me. That really, really excites me because I think Mississippi State's going to have a really good recruiting class in 2022. And I think we've got a good class now. Not a great class, not a really good class, but a good class. I think we're meeting our needs. And I don't know that we get the full benefit in the rankings, obviously, because we have some some high-value transfer players and positions of interest that are not going to count in the rankings. Now, eventually, you know, much as it was last year, there will be a transfer ranking for these guys. But uh, I'd like to see that process uh, expedited a little bit more. But, uh, I'm, again, I'm excited about the future. But before we get to 2022, we got to get 2021 to bed. This segment of the show brought to you by the fine folks at Bulldog Burger Company. I, I do my best to eat there you know, once every week, 10 days or so. And one of the main reasons why is because I want to get full. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like some places you go when you order something, you pay for it, and you're thinking, man, I'm famished. I, I got to get some, got to get some fuel in the tank to make it through the day. And then you leave in mid-afternoon, you're, you know, you're, you're kind of looking around for that cup of coffee or that afternoon snack, and not necessarily because you got a sweet tooth, but you need, you, know, you need something to get you, you know, to get you to supper. That's not going to happen at Bulldog Burger Company. It's not going to happen. Those portions are so generous. You're probably going to bring some stuff back to the office. You're going to bring some stuff home, and you may even have it for supper. Have the spring rolls every time you go because they're going to make you better looking, and we all need more of that. Have a great restaurant-quality hamburger and so much more at Bulldog Burger Company. Now with two locations to serve you right here on University Drive in Stark, Vegas, and they're on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. I love Bulldog Burger Company. Loved them long before we had them as sponsors. And so when they came aboard, it was a perfect fit for me because I was already a believer. I didn't need to be sold on Bulldog Burger Company, and you shouldn't be as well. They know what they're doing. It's part of a great family of restaurants that have served the Golden Triangle for many, many, many years. These people know how to feed folks. Go by and check them out. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. As it stands today, Mississippi State has one commitment that is not signed. One. And that's Katravian Hargrove. That's a running back out of Ruston, Louisiana. You know, he was a big deal last week. Uh, committed on Wednesday. Is expected to sign this Wednesday. But that's it. That's all you got right now. Now, uh, Louisville High School defensive end Ty Cooper expected to announce his decision at 10 a.m. on Wednesday. 10 a.m. Now, he will likely go ahead and sign before then, but the announcement's going to be at 10. I had a chance to speak with Ty a couple days ago. If you are not familiar with Ty Cooper, okay, let, let, let's put the football highlight video stuff aside. Let's put that aside for just a minute because it is outstanding, okay? He is the top defensive lineman in the state of Mississippi by a large margin. And even in 2022, uh, you know, he would be a top 20 player. I think he's ranked number 20 right now. I think that's probably too low, to be quite honest with you. He was one of those guys that got an early evaluation, and despite a good senior year, we weren't able to get him moved up much. And, uh, you know, we're going to do a better job being advocates for our kids in Mississippi next year. I'm, we've worked some things behind the scenes because, you know, there's a, there's a process in place. And I just said, hey, guys, listen, I just don't think this is sufficient. You know, I need to be able to talk to somebody. I need to be able to say, listen, this is what I like about a guy. This is what I don't like about him. And not just, you know, kind of fill out a form. So we've kind of got that process streamlined so there are people involved rather than just paperwork. And so I believe you're going to see that get better. But let's let's forget about rankings. Let's forget about highlight film. Let's talk about Ty Cooper as a person. And we talk a lot about fit when it comes to college football recruiting. Ty Cooper fits Mississippi State. And I think anybody that signed Ty Cooper would have a great ambassador for their program. 
not only is he a relentless pass rusher and a guy that can play the run, because, you know, if you think about those traditional four threes and things like that, you know, guys that play a five-tack or a seven-tack, and uh, they get outside and they just kind of run by the tackle and go sack the quarterback. And a lot of those guys, you know, can't play head up with an offensive tackle and then shed a block and make a tackle, you know, at the line of scrimmage or TFL. Ty can do all those things. And uh, he's just really beginning to kind of round into physical shape. He is already a very impressive specimen. But once he gets, you know, with Tyson Brown and his group, you know, he's going to put on 15, 20 pounds of muscle really, really quickly. All that said, if you ever have a chance to listen to Ty Cooper talk, you're going to be so incredibly impressed. When I interviewed him a couple days ago, one of the things that stood out to me is he said, you know, I'm excited about signing at my high school with my friends. And I wish all of our seniors could sign. And he goes, you know, it's not special just because I'm about to sign a Power 5 scholarship. That, that, that's not what makes the day special. What makes the day special is that many of those young people have been part of two state championships at Louisville High School. And if you don't know this, there is a, a tremendous amount of pride in Louisville Wildcat football. I mean, tremendous. If you're ever in Winston County and you're around those people, they always feel like they have SEC guys, even when they don't. But when they don't have major prospects, they still expect to field a good football team. And so Ty Cooper and those guys have kind of grown up with the expectation. You know, if you go to Louisville High School, you're expected to win a state championship during your four years as part of Wildcat football. Well, Ty was part of two of those. And so now he's kind of reaching the end of this Louisville High School experience, and he's not ready for it to end for any of them. Now, none of them are coming to Mississippi State with him. I fully expect him to sign him for the Bulldogs on Wednesday. Of course, you never know what happens in the, uh, during the dead period. We've learned the hard way about that. But, uh, you know, we feel really good about him. But it's not about him signing with Mississippi State that makes a day special. It is one more experience, one more football experience together to kind of further the Louisville high school football legacy. That is something that uh, Ty takes a lot of pride in, being a part of that program and being able to kind of add to a winning tradition there, but also to being a guy that made the most of his opportunities at Louisville high school and then parlayed that into a Power 5 and SEC type experience. But he doesn't want the attention on himself. I think with all those offers that Ty is not accepting, he would love to be able to give those to his friends that aren't going to sign a college scholarship on Wednesday. But there are several of them that will sign, and uh, he is excited to be a part of that. And uh, to hear him talk about all of that, pardon me, i got a cat up here that wants to be part of the show. Uh, To hear him talk about all that is very, very um, refreshing, shall we say. There are a lot of young people today that have this sense of entitlement they feel like, you know what, I deserve all of this. My, my talent, my hard work, and everything like that has been a big part of this. And so, you know, I've earned this. I've earned, uh, you know, the chance to be king for the day. But I don't get any of that with Ty Cooper. Not at all. I see a guy that believes in his team, believes in his program, believes in his community. He has many of the same attributes as Kobe Jones. You know, Kobe's a guy, they talk about him being the mayor you know, Starville, he's been here so long, kind of knows everybody. That's kind of the, some of the same things with Ty Cooper. You know, he is a guy that, you know, is very proud to be from this region, very proud to be from Louisville, Mississippi. It's going to take a lot of pride on putting on that college uniform. And so when you begin to think about your program, 
Because there are a lot of guys out there that have good highlight film. There are a lot of guys out there that have the grades to qualify. And there's a lot of guys out there that have the character, you know, to be good representatives of your program. But when you can put all that together, when you have the size, the talent, the academics, the work ethic, and the attitude to be an SEC football player, those are guys you got to sign, especially in your home state. And despite what everybody else will tell you, that blend of attributes is very difficult to find. There are a lot of guys that have the talent but don't have the work ethic. Some of them are in a transfer portal right now, even some that came from your program at Mississippi State. There are some others out there that have the character that don't have the size. There are a lot of guys out there that are great high school players. It doesn't mean they're going to be great prospects. Everybody out there has a leading rusher. Everybody has a leading tackler. That doesn't make them prospects. And so I think it's important to kind of understand, you know, when you get a guy that has this combination of traits, he becomes a priority. I know many of our fans were kind of ready to give up on Ty. They goes, oh, you know, he seems to like Ole Miss better than us. And as I cautioned everybody on this show and on Gene's page, it doesn't matter when you get him as long as you get him. And so we add him to the fold, hopefully at 10 a.m. on Wednesday. That takes up two of your three. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. 
Thirds also explained the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with Smart Money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Spots. So that leaves you with one, maybe two. And people are wondering, well, Steve, what do you mean by that? Well, there, there is a little wiggle room. Should two defensive backs decide to come, you could make an adjustment. You could. You could make an adjustment. And, and it, we may not even need it. And so I'll explain it on Gene's page, you know, uh, if, if, in, if that situation, you know, you know kind of comes around, I'll explain that in great detail on how you make that work. But right now, you know, Mississippi State is seeing its options at defensive back diminish greatly. I spoke to Jaquan Amos, Villanova grad transfer, on Friday and Sunday. When I spoke to him on Friday, he spoke glowingly about Mississippi State, about the quality of competition that he would face here. On Sunday, he was a little more tight-lipped. And I didn't take that to mean that he was negative on Mississippi State. I think he was just trying to add some integrity to his announcement. And then he announced for Iowa State today. He has been sold on the fact that Iowa State's going to return 20 out of 22 starting players and that he would have an opportunity to step right in and start. You know, the bottom line is this. Mississippi State doesn't offer that opportunity. Can't guarantee him he's going to start. Jaquan Amos is a good player. I think he'd have made a good bulldog for us. I think he made us better as a football team this year. But he's headed elsewhere. And so you don't have time to cry over that. Signing day is Wednesday. We can't sit around and feel like, oh, woe is me. On Sunday, he told me he had already informed his school of choice that he was coming. Well, that's kind of a hint and a half for everybody else. Anybody that read that article that didn't get a phone call from Jaquan Amos knew, you know what, he's not coming here. And so, sure enough, it wasn't Mississippi State. So you move on from that. Uh, Rashid Williams is a guy that Joe Moore had brought in on an official visit. He was originally committed to Vanderbilt, and he blew up as a senior, ultimately decided to sign with UCLA. He got enamored with Hollywood, and in some respects, I guess we all are, some for different reasons. I'd like to go out there and hang out on a Sunset Strip all the time, go to the Whiskey A Go-Go and places like that. Would love to do all that. Getting a little bit old for that, but at the same time, too, I think it would be a lot of fun. Well, he goes out there. Uh, doesn't work out the way he wants. He's transferring back, and uh, he is going to be going to Texas Tech. Things never really got going with he and Mississippi State. You know, it's like one of those things that, you know, he's from Memphis, and so it made a lot of sense. And I got a, a tip that he was about to go in the portal before he did. And then so there was some discussion with him. Mississippi State did recruit him. But by the time State got involved, which was as soon as he's in the portal, he kind of had a good idea where he wanted to go. C.J. Johnson is going to announce his decision at a 9 a.m. press conference at French Camp Academy. It won't be Mississippi State, barring something unforeseen. I like C.J. Johnson a lot. I really do. You know, we talk a little bit about being great ambassadors for your program. Incredibly articulate young man, very intelligent, but at 35 on the ACT. Many of his finalists are schools that specialize in academics, and then they, and then they play football. So he is not making a football-only decision. You know, C.J. is looking for the long play here. You know, he's looking for, okay, if I go to Northwestern, you know, then I have an opportunity to go to medical school. If I go, you know, I go to Duke. That's not to say that we don't produce great doctors at Mississippi State, but, you know, 
he is focusing more on academia than athletics. And he's going to use, you know, football to kind of help pay, you know, for some of his education. And so this is a guy that grew up a lifelong Bulldog fan. And once they offered here back in November, a lot of people in our industry said, well, that's it. This is a kid that grew up going to Mississippi State. It's a done deal. It's not a done deal. It's not a done deal. And, and barring him going to bed on Tuesday night and waking up with a change of heart on Wednesday, he will not be a Bulldog. And that is unfortunate. But it is what it is. You're not going to get everybody. And there are a lot of people that want to cast aspersions about all this and find somebody to blame. It's not always somebody else's fault. I'm not going to sit here and make excuses for anybody. I mean, I think the fact that we're kind of scrambling here late uh, to get one more defensive back, considering that we've had you know, plenty of time to kind of work through some of these options, uh, you know, it, it is a bit of an indictment on us as a staff. You know, and I understand, you know, there's been a ton of guys go in the portal. You review those guys and you figure it out. And you say, you know what? I don't know that guy can play here. And if that's how you feel, you don't need to sign him. We don't need JAG Corps guys. And then for those of you that are unfamiliar with the term, JAG Corps stands for just another guy. You don't want to be recruiting what you just ran off. You got a lot of guys in the portal right now with the Mississippi State departure uh, destination that uh, we're going to have difficulty playing consistently here at Mississippi State. So we don't want to just go sign a guy just to have a guy. And if we're getting down to the nitty-gritty here, we don't, really, we don't need a starter. And some of you are saying, Steve, you're crazy. No, we don't need a starter. We need a two-deeper. And so when you've got starters like Martin Emerson and Emmanuel Forbes at corner, and you're out there courting JUCO guys or graduate transfers and that sort of stuff, and they're like, you know, well, Coach, where am I going to play? And there's a, there's a much you know, greater sense of urgency with those guys. Now, one of the things I want to remind you of, too, and I think it's important you know, for us to kind of look back at this and, and kind of learn from history. I want to run down some names for you, you know, if I can here. I think it's important that we do this. Let's go back to the 1997 Mississippi State football roster. You had Eric Brown that played in the National Football League. You had Anthony Derricks, who was a great guy. You had Isel McGill, tremendous cover guy. You had a young guy by the name of Kendall Roberson. And I don't know if you guys know this, but Kendall Roberson back in 1997 played in 11 games and had four interceptions. So we kind of felt like, you know what, this is a guy that's going to do some big things for us. It's all the way back in 97. Still had, you know, several years to play. We had a guy by the name of Desola Badan. You may remember him. He's had, had a tremendous career in business. But in 1996, he played in 11 games. He was a young guy that had a lot of potential. You had uh, Eric Daniel. You had Kenzaki Jones, the father of the dog pound rock, and you had Tim Nelson, one of the best dog safeties that ever played. And you had all of those guys, many of them coming back for the 1998 season. You may recall what a special year that was. And despite the fact that we had all of that, that, those guys returning at defensive back and the fact that we had played so many young guys, we were able to go out and get a couple of guys by the name of Fred Smoot and Robert Bean. Those guys were cut from a different cloth. And, of course, both of those guys went to the National Football League, made a lot of money. But if there is a guy out there, whether he's got one year to play or two years to play or whatever, and he looks at our roster and says, you know what, I don't know that I can go in there and compete with those guys. I'd rather know now than in fall camp. I'd rather know now before signing day that, you're not, that you don't think you're good enough to come in here and play. 
because Robert Bean and Fred Smoot said, you know what, yeah, they got some young DBs coming back, and some of those guys have played well, and there's some guys that uh, they feel really good about. But clearly they think I can play, or Coach Jackie sure wouldn't be extending me a scholarship, and they came, and they really changed the direction of our program. That's not to say that we weren't, you know, kind of trending in the right direction. 96 had been a tough year, but we've come back and beat Alabama and Ole Miss to end the year. We have a winning year in 97. And then we go out and put together a really good JUCO class in 98 that kind of set up some big things for the end of the, the, the 90s and early 2000s. And so, you know, all Fred Smoot did, and I remember reading this in the Clarion Ledger, is he said, I, it's not that I believe we can win a national championship at Mississippi State. I know we can. It's not that I think we can. I know we can. And so right now I'm out here, you know, chasing rumors and, and chasing, you know, phone calls and things like that and trading texts at people. You know, many of them about a bunch of guys that apparently don't think they're good enough to play here. And so and people say, well, you know, Steve, we've got to have numbers. You know what? I'd, I'd, rather, I'd rather have nobody than just a body. Does that make sense? I'd rather have nobody than just a body. Because that's essentially that's what you get. And if these guys are telling me, you know, with some of the split-level communication, if they're telling me in their actions or that they're having some indecision, say, you know what, Coach, I want to be guaranteed that I can start there. Well, you know, I don't want anybody that wants something given to them. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say we don't need a defensive back. We absolutely do. We absolutely do. And the fact that we're, not, that we're scrambling here at the end, you know, that, that's something that has to improve. That can't happen. And a week ago, it looked like, you know what, we were going to kind of have to make some difficult decisions and pick and choose here. You know, Ladarian Craig is still out there out of Baker High School. You know, South Carolina's got a couple crystal balls for him, but I'm told that he uh, hadn't made a decision yet. He's a guy that's uh, long and athletic and extremely fleet of foot. Hadn't made a decision yet. There was some concerns about his ability to qualify. I understand those concerns have abated for the most part. And here we are. We're also locked up with a battle with Auburn for Caden Bridges out of McGee High School. Now, Caden Bridges, I'm going to tell you about him. He did not have much going on in the way of recruiting entering his senior year. A lot of people weren't sure if he's going to play baseball, and he is a good baseball player. He's a better football player. Some were concerned, you know what, he may have to go to junior college first. I'm told now that he's expected to qualify. So what's happened is he's picked up some late offers. Now all of a sudden, Auburn's involved. And Auburn kind of got a two-week head start on us. Now I'm going to be brutally honest with you here, and this might hurt some feelings, but we can't be late to the party on an in-state kid. We can't. We absolutely can't. Now I understand we didn't have a spring eval, neither did anybody else. We didn't have summer camps, neither did anybody else. But we can't be late to the party on an in-state kid. If we had offered this kid, you know, a couple weeks ago, our fans would be saying, well, wait a minute, why, we're reaching here, we're going and getting this kid that his only offer was South Alabama and PRC, you know. But now that Auburn's involved, all of a sudden he's a little more attractive, I guess, because we don't trust our own evaluations. But we can't be late to the party on an in-state kid. We, that, we can't. I mean, it's like there are a lot of things in life I can kind of, you know, say, well, you know, this kind of makes some sense. This is one of them I, I can say, you know what, you know, if we've been able to go on the road or whatever, maybe we find this kid. But Auburn found him. Auburn, with a brand-new staff that they've kind of put together here in a couple of weeks, they found the kid. 
And so, you know, we, we kind of offer behind them so we're playing catch-up. You know, you're not going to bat 1,000, but you got to protect the home turf, and you got to do a better job of that. I mean, let, I mean let's I'm just call it like it is. got to do a better job of that. You know, and, and I think part of that, too, is we don't have a lot of guys on our staff from the state of Mississippi. They haven't had a chance to get out and go cultivate many relationships. It's a much different time, time. I get it. But Auburn found the kid. There's, there's no explaining that away. And a lot of times, too, a new staff comes in, they're kind of scrambling. They're looking out there, working phones and trying to say, okay, who can we get? And they found him. Now, as of yesterday, on, excuse me, on Sunday, there was some chatter behind the scenes that Bridges was going to announce for Auburn Monday afternoon. And some people shared, uh, I think it was, they said Keith Niebuhr had said he was going to announce at 1 o'clock on Monday. I, I, I was told that was a little bit premature, so I don't know if Keith under, misunderstood or perhaps the kid just changed his mind. But as we got into Tuesday, Bridges had not committed. Now I'm told that he's going to wait and do it Wednesday, that he and the family need a little more time to kind of figure things out. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, that's kind of where things uh, lie today. A lot of people say, well, you know, Steve, if we don't get what we want, let's just save it and see what's available in the spring. That is absolutely the right decision. We shouldn't go out and take another guy just to take another guy. Because there may be somebody that comes along late. That you Maybe you know, maybe they, they work hard. They become a grad transfer or whatever. Maybe somebody goes to spring practice and says, you know what, it's new staff. If my, new, if my old school is, uh, is not what I wanted. You know, maybe there's a guy out there that uh, thinks he's found the love of his life and they break up. You know what? I got to start fresh. I got to get out of here. So you never know what's going to be available. And so if you can't get value on Wednesday, you pocket that scholarship and then you use it on a transfer portal guy in the spring. Simple as that. And that's what I expect to happen with Mississippi State. I don't think they'll panic. I don't think they're going to take a guy to take a guy. I think they'd love to have Bridges. They're still on him. I know Mike Leach and the staff had a Zoom call with him. Uh, on Monday, and maybe that played a part in him deciding to delay his decision. Maybe it did. I don't know for sure. But I know Paul Jones will have a story up uh, later today about that kind of apprising of you of, uh, of how things have gone. But um, that's pretty much what it's down to. You know, will State get Bridges? Will they kind of wrestle the momentum away from Auburn and get him? I believe State has made some ground up, but I still believe Auburn leads as of today. So today is a big day in Mississippi State's pursuit of Caden Bridges. Do they, if, if they don't get the warm and fuzzies, do they go all in on getting uh, you know, Darian Craig? You know, we'll see. But, uh, you know, listen, I get it. I mean, a lot of people out there are saying, you know what, Steve, we kind of fumbled it around that, you know, on December 18th. We, you know, yeah, we added four players, but we lost three players, and, and we did. And we saw MJ Daniels coming a couple days ahead of time. We've always felt like if LSU got serious with Malik neighbors, we'd lose him too. But uh, that doesn't make those losses any less significant. I will give the staff credit for being able to pivot. You know, we lose Malik neighbors and we, out, we go out and get Makai Polk. We lose MJ Daniels and we go out and get Jalen Green. You know, we lose McKaylin Pounders and we go out and get Cannon Boone, who was one of our top offensive line prospects in the beginning of the process. And so I do admire the fact that the staff stayed on some of these guys and they were able to replace them with comparable or better players. The difference this go-around is is there is no time to replace anybody in February. So this is it. It's a done deal. Sure, there may be some value in the portal post-spring, but you can't really bank on that. 
but I would much rather bank that scholarship and take it into December for a mid-year junior college guy than to uh, to go get a kid just to get a kid. It's going to be in a transfer portal here in about 18 months because that's what's going to happen. If you reach for a kid and he gets here and he realizes pretty soon that he's not talented enough to play here, or you recognize that, they're going to be in the portal. Okay, today's top ten list uh, brought to you by a new sponsor. Are you or your members of your family having sinus problems or common ear and throat problems? This is the time of year when that kind of rears its ugly head, right? Well, go see our friend Dr. Yarber, Dr. Robert Yarber of ENT Physicians of North Mississippi. New office here in Starkville that can serve you as well. You got two offices total, 910 Stark Road here in Stark, Vegas, and then 618 Pecram Drive in Tupelo. You can reach out today. And if you've got, you know, listen, if you've got this post-nasal drip thing that always just seems to hang around, you get congestion in your ears, you just can't shake, and it's causing you some dizziness or headaches, give Dr. Yarbrough a call. That phone number is 662-844-6513. 662-844-6513. Of course, locations both Starville and, uh, and Tupelo. Dr. Robert Yarbrough of ENT Physicians of North Mississippi. It's a guy that's dedicated to our community, wants to make sure that Starkville and Tupelo both are healthy. So again, if you're having ear, nose, and throat problems, be sure to give them a call, get an appointment, get that cleared up. There's no point walking around with that. You know what I mean? It's like, well, I'll just deal with it. There's no point in dealing with it. Just get it taken care of. It might be something more significant than you realize. Again, it's Dr. Robert Yarber with ENT Physicians of North Mississippi. Today's top 10 list, I I took a lot of pride putting this thing together today. Roy and I already have the schedule together for this week, and today is Power Ballads Part 2. We're going to go back to country music on Wednesday, and then we've got some R&B, soul, funk legends on Friday. Looking forward to that. But I was excited about today. As you guys know, I am an 80s metal aficionado. I love music. I love all kinds of music, but that is what's really my wheelhouse. I can give you the one-hit wonders from... You know, Tony Basil and you know, Simple Minds and Kajagoogoo and people like that. I mean, listen, I got all that stuff. But what really gets me going is 80s rock. So we've had a lot of people that have reached out more than I could care to list and said, hey, Steve, how about another Power Ballads show? And so in true Steve Robertson fashion, I wanted to show off a little bit. Because many of these power ballads are going to be very obscure songs. Maybe you've heard once or twice. Maybe you saw them on MTV's Dial MTV. Maybe you saw them on Headbangers Ball. Maybe you heard them on Z Rock. I don't know. But these are the top ten power ballads from the '80s that you might not know. Now, one of these I know for a fact you're going to know. Number one is going to be one maybe you hadn't listened to in a long time, but when it was out, everybody was their minds were blown away. Like, oh my gosh, these guys are going to have a huge career. They didn't. They didn't have a huge career, but they had a huge hit. So there are a couple songs that didn't make the list. And uh, listen, I don't know if Roy's going to be able to find all these songs on Spotify. We'll do our best. I uh, thought about putting Slipping Away from Dockin on here, but I thought, you know, Dockin might be too big a band for this list. Wanted to put Lost Without Your Love by TNT on here, but you can't. That's off Nights of the New Thunder, and you can't really find that album. I don't, it's not even in print anymore. It's not on, on, on iTunes, so I figured it's not on Spotify. 
There's a lot of other ones. I thought about putting some old Scorps on here. I love the Scorps. We just did a Scorpions top ten list. And so I don't know that any of these songs or bands have ever been on a top ten list. I can look at this and tell you 100%. None of these bands have been featured on top ten lists on the show. So this is the debut, the Boneyard top ten debut for each of these ten artists. And I've got a little bit to tell you about each one of these songs. All right? So number ten and listen, this is a really, really cheesy song. It really is. It's cute. It's really, really cheesy, though. And it's called I Want to Be With You by the band Pretty Boy Floyd. Now, they were unbelievably glam, for sure. Matter of fact, the, the picture, I, I used their picture as the, the art for this episode. Pretty Boy Floyd. But they were glam all the way. This song actually has some special meaning to me. I actually took a line from this, and I asked a girl out with it at Jones. When I was at JCJC, I was a bobcat. And, uh, you know, we, we, we went out a couple times, but she was hung up on his quarterback from Laurel High School. I won't mention her name or his name because, I don't know, maybe, they're, maybe they ended up together. But I thought she was the greatest, and I uh, thought we would have been an absolutely wonderful couple. But uh, I was just about ready to uh, go off the deep end, so – Probably wouldn't have worked out. But I did. I borrowed a line from Pretty Boy Floyd to ask her out. And she loved it. And she said, you know. And uh, she goes, you act like I'm just something so great. And I said, well, you are. You are to me. Hopeless romantic. That's me. Number nine. uh, One one of my favorite obscure bands. Actually from Canada. uh, Of the 80s metal scene. is a band called the Killer Dwarfs. And the song is called Doesn't Matter at All. And this is one of those kind of an inspirational song. It's not necessarily about romance, but uh, very much a power ballad. It's off the Dirty Weapons album. And listen, if you're looking for an absolute banger of a track, and maybe you're thinking, you know what, Steve, I'd love to rock. I'd love to be able to just kind of get in my car and crank a, a tune that it just rocks, maybe you're not familiar with. It's that title track, Dirty Weapons, off that Killer Dwarfs Dirty Weapons album. But this, on our list, it's number nine, doesn't matter at all. Number eight from a band called Cold Sweat. The song is Waiting in Vain. The guitar is really good. The vocal's good. A little bit about this band. Uh, Mark Ferrari, the former lead guitar player of the band Keel, put this band together as a side project. Actually had Oni Logan as the singer, who eventually went on to be the lead singer at Lynch Mob, who my oldest son is named after. Uh, But Waiting in Vain, a great tune. Cold Sweat, one of the last albums that I bought before I got clean and sober. I was riding around listening to this before uh, you know I went off on the deep end. But uh, there's Cold Sweat also has a great cover of the song "I Just Want to Make Love to You." But matter of fact, it might be the best cover of that song. So you're getting some bonus content today. Number number seven from the Christian rock group Striper. The song is "Lady" off the Against the Law album, and there was a lot of controversy among. Uh, christian metal fans about this album because you know they had just had that huge commercial success you know within god we trust and to hell with the devil and honestly was a big radio hit for them so just when striper seemed to really kind of climb the mountaintops and have you know some real notoriety and get on mtv and things like that that they uh, they wrote this secular song this secular album where they didn't really do any christian music on the album against the law and a lot of people say well look at what it's named you know but striper's back and striper's still producing great music a lot of people say steve that's not true it absolutely is true last year striper had a number one rock album and rock rock song how cool is that but the song lady really cool track huge huge power ballad and uh, i remember listening to this i had gone I won't say who she is but uh i dated a girl who's a homecoming queen in bassfield 
That's right. That's right. And uh, so I was driving back home, and uh, I liked her so much, I listened to this song over and over again the whole way back. Number six, uh, another band uh, from Canada. Now, these guys are from England, actually, and I absolutely love them. Oh, my gosh, they're such a great band. Didn't have a lot of success in the U.S., a bunch of success worldwide, though, but uh, it's a band called Thunder, and uh, there's some great tracks in their catalog, but Love Walks In is number six on today's list. Love Walks In from Thunder. It is a great tune. The vocalist, incredible. Number five, and now we're going to get into some songs that many of you uh, know. You know, some of these that I've already discussed a little more obscure than others. But uh, the top five, I think everybody will know these. If you ever watched um, Headbangers Ball or you watched uh, Dial MTV, these songs were on there. Number five, the second song off the debut album from Every Mother's Nightmare, it's Love Can Make You Blind. And uh, listen, not, not especially a great singer, but it is a really cool song. And I think everybody knew that one. And uh, I'll give you a funny story about this one, too. I had purchased that CD at Sound Shop in the Sawmill Square Mall in Laurel, Mississippi, when I was at Jones. And so I walk in there, and you know they always have like the, the, the now playing. They have a CD. It was a new release. They'd be playing it over to the speakers or whatever. Well, the cashier back there turned off Every Mother's Nightmare mid-album and put on some other album, uh, some stupid alternative crap. And that's a thing, too. That's one of the things I resented so much about the early 90s is when you went to college for some reason, you couldn't like anybody that actually sold records. You had to like, you had to like somebody that was obscure to show how cool you were. It's, oh you're, oh, you're still listening to this hairband stuff, you loser. Well, yeah, I mean, they sold 25 million records. Well, listen to these guys. They sold 50 out of their trunk. Okay, so, so anyway, she changes the record, and she puts on this stupid alternative stuff, something she probably heard at, you know, Tal's Darbar or something. And uh, I said, okay, who, who is this? And she goes, oh, you like that? I said, no, I think that'll be lined up and shot. And uh, so I didn't get to go out with her. But, um, but anyway, Every Mother's Nightmare, a cool band, and uh, had a couple of albums. I think Wake Up Screaming was the second album. I have them both, but uh, definitely their their most commercial hit, Love Can Make You Blind. Number four, I got a story for this one, too. And uh, it's from a rock band by the name of Tough, lead singer Stevie Rochelle. And this song was a huge hit on MTV. It's called I Hate Kissing You Goodbye. My long-lost friend, Benny Bruce, from Slidell, Louisiana, went out to Hollywood after seeing Tough on uh, the Metal Years. I think I've shared this with you guys before. But Benny goes out there, becomes their keyboard player, lived the Hollywood dream for a while, then came back and started uh, several bands and eventually founded uh, the Molly Ringwalds. But this is a great tune. I hate kissing you goodbye. I don't think we've all been there before, too. Number three, and th- this is one of those songs, too. You know, there's some songs out there, like, no matter when you listen to them, even if, even if you are, are having a, if, even if you're in a solid relationship, there are some songs you, that you just hear, and it's like you can just feel the emotion in the song, and it gets to you. This is one of those ones for me, even though it doesn't remind me of anybody. But the name of the song is I Still Think About You by the band Danger Danger. You may remember Danger Danger, their debut album. They had a big hit called Naughty Naughty, right? And then they had their second song was a song called Bang Bang. So we, we kind of got away from the repetitive phrasing. But um, I Still Think About You is a, a killer 
killer power ballad off that second album, Screw It. And uh, they even had a rap song on there, kind of a parody of a rap song. Number two, a band that did not get a lot of, you know, a lot of play in the South. They were huge up north. They were huge mainly out of New York. Didn't get a lot of play here. Got a little bit of play on MTV. Uh, you may know Summer Girls uh, from Y&T. But the best power ballad in their catalog, without a doubt, is a song called Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. I absolutely love that track. I still listen to it regularly. Uh, love the lyrics. Love the arrangement on it. You'll dig it, too, if you're unfamiliar with it. Go check it out. Don't Be Afraid of the Dark by Y&T. But number one, and you're going to remember this song, but it's from a Connecticut-based band, Steelheart. And already you're thinking, oh, I know the song. That's right. It's I'll Never Let You Go. It starts Angel Eyes. And Steelheart had a tremendous amount of success early on. And a lot of it was because of you know, the vocal range of uh, you know, Miljenko uh, Matisvich. And I'm, I'm sure I butchered that last name. But he, he had a five-octave voice and uh, was a great songwriter. And they seemed to be well on their way. They were opening for Slaughter and bands all around the country. And uh, you can find the YouTube video of this, which is it's really kind of macabre. But uh, a lighting truss fell on Miljanko and uh, crushed him, basically. He lived, but uh, had some severe facial injuries, had a broken nose, cheekbone, jaw, messed up his spine. And uh, so they took some time off and uh, didn't tour for a while, didn't record for a while. He had to heal. And uh, they were still under record contracts. So they kind of rushed some things out there and then took some time off. But uh, after about a decade, they, uh, they kind of reemerged. And uh, what's interesting, what kind of got Steelheart going again was the Mark Wahlberg and Jennifer Aniston movie Rockstar, you know, which is based off uh, Ripper Owens from uh, Judas Priest, got it replaced uh, replace Rob Halford from Judas Priest, you know, when he took a hiatus there. But the song We All Die Young, which is, uh, you know, a song that, uh, I guess, what will they call it, Steel Dragon, that Mark Wahlberg sang in the audition, that was sung by the lead singer Steelheart. He did a lot of the vocal stuff on that, and that kind of regenerate, rejuvenated the band and generated some new interest in Steelheart. So they've been back out there. They've done a couple things, but they'll never have anything as big as that. So that's top ten list today. I'll never let you go, number one. Number one, without a doubt. Uh, so I think you'll enjoy that. I enjoyed putting that together, kind of a trip down memory lane. Looking forward to having some more top tens in the future. Again, brought to you by Dr. Robert Yarber of the ENT Physicians of North Mississippi. All right, uh, Campus Bookmart, longtime sponsors of the show, man. Love standing man, Miss Kathy Brown. The lovely, talented Susie. Go by and check them out. See them in person from a approved socially distance. Distance. You know what I'm saying? Don't get too close. No hugs these days. But you can go by and see them in all their beauty and glory, and see the great items they have for your Mississippi State man cave or office or home or gifts or whatever you need, anything Mississippi State related, you can get it right there at Campus Bookmart. If you can't make it to town, let me encourage you to visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That phrase is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. 
All right, so let's talk a little basketball. Uh, as you guys know, Mississippi State absolutely wore out Iowa State this past weekend. We expected that. Probably got a little more than we expected. We expected to win the game handily. Uh, I don't think we realized that the bad shape that Iowa State was in. They um, you were know, missing some players. They get beat 95-56. We needed the game. I don't care if they had to play with four. We needed a win. We needed a chance to kind of get some confidence and the game, you know, for all intents and purposes, was over at the half. We had a 16-point lead, 44-28, and it never even felt like Iowa State was in the game. And then we expound on that. We actually expand the lead in the second half, go up 51-28, uh, outscored them in the second half to win 95-56. They dropped 2-9 and nine, uh, overall. We improved to 10-8. and eight. Looking at some numbers here, and State obviously played a lot of players, and it's a good thing we did. Very, very happy about that to see some of those guys get a chance to get out there and make a contribution on the floor, be rewarded for their work. Iris and Molinar leads us with 20 points. DJ Stewart with 17. No surprise, right? See those two guys at the top of the scoring chart. Uh, Tolu Smith, 16 points, pulled down seven rebounds. Cam Matthews uh, started again, and you know, he clearly is becoming a defensive specialist. He's also a real effort guy, sometimes runs down some good boards. Uh, learning to defend without fouling, too. Just a couple of points, but uh, got out there and I thought played pretty well. Pulled down a couple of uh, offensive rebounds for you, too. An offensive rebounder, as you guys know, is about effort. Abdul Dude did not score, played just 17 minutes, and only attempted one shot. Did pull down seven boards, also had three turnovers. And that's just kind of the game that we're living with with him, right? Uh, Devion Smith gets 23 minutes, puts in 10 points. Good game for him. Quentin Post, 16 minutes, 7 points, 6 boards for him. Uh, Derek Fountain comes in, does some things for Mississippi State. Just 5 minutes of action, 3 of 3 from the floor, 7 points. Even bombed a 3. Jalen Johnson goes 17 minutes and pitches in 5 points. Anderson Garcia gets in, plays a little bit, scores his first points as a Bulldog, 5 and all, 2 of 2 from the floor. Uh, Javian Davis went 13 minutes, only had the one basket. Did pull down six rebounds. Keandre Montgomery gets in, has some, gets his name in the scoring column as well with the basket. Andrew Junkin, same thing, gets a basket. Reggie Morris comes in, plays three minutes, didn't score, didn't attempt a shot. Isaac Stansberry, the son of Rick and Mio Stansberry, comes in, uh, has a chance late, and, of course, people are asking him to shoot. He didn't. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's good to get a laugh for every once in a while because we got a tough one up ahead. Right, we're gonna go on the road and play the University of Arkansas, and uh, Razorbacks playing pretty well these days. Now we have had some uh, some rough nights in Bud Walton Arena, but we have won six games in a row against the University of Arkansas. And we talk about you know sometimes some you know some teams seem to have their number, but um, looks like we've got a chance you know maybe to uh, you know to kind of pull some things together here and what a big win this would be for Mississippi State if we could find a way to win this ball game and you know as well as I do you, I'm sure they're thinking you know what these guys have had our number here the last few years we need to go make a statement here and kind of prove to ourselves that we're over the Mississippi State hump they are 13 and 5 on the year and 5 and 4 in the conference and so they got really you know they do what Arkansas always does. They do really well in a non-conference. They get into conference play, and then they kind of come back down to earth. But uh, they've got some big wins. They had a loud win early. They go and win at Auburn, 97-85. I think a lot of people are like, whoa, look at this. And then they lose to Mizzou at home, 81-68. Then they go on the road and play Tennessee. Tightly contested ball game. 
Tennessee wins it by five. They blast Georgia and Bud Walton, and then they go down to Baton Rouge and get blown out by LSU, and then they lose at Alabama. And listen, there's no law, there's no shame in losing at either of those arenas. We we've done our share of that as well. But then they have turned things around. They had won three in a row until this past weekend. They take down Auburn, they win at Vanderbilt, and then they beat Ole Miss to death, 74-59. And then they lose to Oklahoma State over the weekend, 81-77 in Stillwater. And so they're playing some really good basketball. And the main thing you look at, what kind of stands out is offensively how well they played. Ben Howland has been a guy that has been a defensive guru, and so we'll try to kind of slow those guys down. And we're not going to win a shootout with these guys, and we're not going to go put up 90 points against them. And uh, you know, kind of looking at the, their numbers here, uh, they they're they're a lot more balanced, I think, than maybe I expected them to be. Uh, I, I'm impressed with what I've seen so far from Arkansas, and I've only watched them in a couple of games. But um, you know, when you look at the fact that these guys can go on the road and play as competitively as they do, uh, it really shows you that they've got some confidence, and also shows you too that they are. Uh, you know, they're, they're a program I think it's on the rise. Maybe I am in the minority there. I think Arkansas is maybe not what they once were, but I think they're better than they have been. Guard Moses Moody kind of leads the way for them. He started all 18 games this year, averaging 16.6 uh, you know, points a game. Uh, JT Nota, also uh, nearly 14 points a game. Justin Smith with 11.4. Uh, Desi Seals with 11.2 and Jalen Tate with uh, nearly 11. So you got five guys there averaging double figures. So it's a really balanced team, and it's a team, too, that, that they kind of get you off rotation with your substitution pattern because they are such a guard-oriented team. They can get out and run a little bit. Uh, it's not the 40 minutes of hell of Nolan Williamson, but they're, they're a pretty good defensive team when they want to be. I do think this is a team that uh, is capable of being beat by Mississippi State. That's the thing you look at, too, is like – you go on the road with this Mississippi State team, and you think, okay, well, there's no way we're going to win this game. There's no way we're going to be in the ball game. And Ben Howland found so finds a way to get them going. And as frustrating as it is to not close some of those games out, in many respects, we have been a better road team, especially in league plays. You guys know we win by ten at Georgia, and then we um, we go we got beat Vanderbilt 84-81. Didn't play exceptionally well that day on defense, but then. Um, you know, we go on the road and play Alabama to within a couple possessions late, and Alabama the hottest team in the country at the time. And then we go to Tennessee and probably should have won that ball game. And so maybe it's the us-against-the-world mentality, and I've read the jokes too. Maybe some of the Bulldogs are just more comfortable because they hadn't played in front of a bunch of fans at home. And so when they go on the road, they're kind of used to that. But – I don't expect State to go up there and get blown out against Arkansas. I, I think that we're going to find a way to go out there and play competitively, and I think it'll be interesting to see what happens at the end of the ball game. I, it's a late ball game. It's an 8 p.m. tip, so you kind of got to plan ahead for that. But it's going to be late. Again, I'm not calling for the win, but I think State will go out there and play well. I, I also think, too, if we can force them to play a half-court game, and if we're going to run Tolu and Adu out there and then sub some would quit and post, we can have an advantage in the half court, uh, at least on a defensive end. And then we'll see how things go from there. But we've got to find a way to score some points. But uh, won't be the least bit surprised if State goes down there and wins this game. And I think this team is due for a big win like that. And it seems like we've been so close. And Arkansas is not quite as talented as Alabama and Tennessee, as we all know. 
But Bud Walton Arena has been a tough spot. And so I think one of the things, too, if you've been Howland, you say, you know what? We've won, what, six games in a row against them? You know, we have their number, so you can believe, you know what, we're going to find a way to win this because we've been the better program the last few years. Eager to see what happens. If you are considering moving to the Starkville area or moving within the Starkville area, let me encourage you to give our friends at Portico an opportunity to, to serve you. One of the newest residential complexes in Starkville, and that's what you need, right? I mean, how many times are you going to move in your life? Let this be your final move and get the newest in construction right here in Starkville. Portico is one of the newest housing developments uh, right off of Garrett Road behind the Hilton Garden Inn and the Cryford Jeep dealership. Just over a mile from campus, easy access to both Highway 82 and 25. There'll be 51 houses total in the development, so it's going to be have some size. You'll have some neighbors. If you got kids, they'll, they'll probably have some friends. And there's going to be 18 houses that are already kind of getting close to moving condition. 33 houses will be built later this year. And those houses are going to range in size from 1,300 to 2,000 square feet and two-bedroom, two-bath up to four-bedroom, four-bath. You're going to also have a walking trail and a pavilion area so you can have a cookout and host some people over and then everybody can go walk off those calories, right? Brooks Bryant, former Diamond Dog outfielder. Brooks Bryant, we owe him a debt of gratitude for robbing a home run that sent us to Omaha. Thank you, Brooks. If you'd like to thank him in a more proper way, give him a call to get more information about your new home at Portico. Brooks' phone number is 601-416-8075. Chances are he'll tell you some great stories about uh, Diamond Dog teams of old. I imagine if you make a deal with Brooks, he'll uh, he'll give you regular stories. He'll probably give you a running commentary of those great two Omaha teams that he was a part of when he was a Diamond Dog here. That's Portico right here in Starkville. All right, so let's get into a couple other things. You know, women's basketball, I mentioned, uh, not going to play this week. It's been, a, it's been a weird deal with this schedule. And, uh, you know, so we've, we've had a tough stretch here. And, uh, you know, we don't play again until Thursday. And uh, we're going to be at home against Tennessee. That's a team that we're capable of beating. That's also a team that's capable of beating us. Now, Nikki McCray-Pinson, of course, played for Tennessee – so maybe there's some added incentive for her. And that's one of the things, too. I do think that her team likes her. I do think that there are, um, you know, I think there are probably some players that are still acclimating to the way she wants things done. Uh, but I do think that she is able to motivate them. We've got to figure out a way to kind of close out some games here. And uh, what better way to kind of turn our season around than do it against Tennessee? Now, Tennessee, 12-3 and overall, 6-1 and in the league. But when you look at these league wins here and you look at the parity in the league, you can kind of figure out, okay, well, uh, they're just kind of like everybody else. You know, maybe a little bit better. They're in the top half of the league, certainly. But uh, they beat Arkansas, which is a huge win early on in Knoxville. Arkansas, of course, recently just beat UConn. Then they win in, at Baton Rouge and then lose to Georgia by one. They beat Alabama to death. It's a team that gave us some trouble, and then they uh, they lose to UConn, and then they beat Kentucky, and then they uh, barely beat the Ole Miss Ladies 68-67, and then they beat Florida 79-65. And so it appears that they kind of play up and down the level of competition. So I expect a competitive game, and, and Mississippi State's problems are Mississippi State. It really hadn't been who we've played or we've been out talented or anything like that. It's been about our inability to execute. So we got to get that fixed. we got to find a way to get that fixed. And uh, what better way to do it than against the University of Tennessee? That would be a loud win and probably restore a lot of confidence. 
Then we got to go on the road and play Arkansas. It's going to be a difficult stretch there. And then we go to Ole Miss. And listen, I know Ole Miss hadn't played well as late, but uh, they played us really tight the last time we played them. So they're going to have a lot of confidence. I'm sure they'll look at that game and say, you know what, we ought to be able to win that one. And uh, so this is, again, that defining stretch for us before we kind of get down down the stretch there. And we have, uh, you know, three of our last five regular season games will be at home. And you look down there and you say, you know what, we ought to be able to win all those games. But there's also the possibility we could lose those games. You know, listen, we're not a bad team. We're not a really good team, though. We're On our good days, we're, we're really good. We're just not having enough of those, not enough with regularity they instill a lot of confidence and so it's a game by game deal and uh you know the hope is they'll kind of get this thing turned around it would have been nice to be able to play Vanderbilt if they hadn't canceled their season had played them on Monday night give us an opportunity to kind of get our legs back on us and, and kind of get some confidence changing gears a little bit here we're going to meet tomorrow or later today and on Wednesday with Mississippi State uh, baseball players and coaches and begin to start previewing the season. You know, it's, what, 17 days now. We're going to be in action. 17 days, man. It seems like it's been forever. I'm still kind of mad about how all that went down last year. Really disappointed we couldn't find a way to play. But, it, and listen, we didn't know back then what we know now. There were a lot of people back then that thought, you know what, if you got COVID, you're absolutely going to die. That's how a lot of people felt. You know, because that was all, everything, you know, we, we just didn't know how to treat it yet. You know, and so, you know, we have the, the gift of forethought, excuse me, the gift of hindsight now, we look back and say, yeah, we probably could have played. But we didn't, and I was disappointed. I could be a baby at times, for sure. But uh, I was really, really disappointed when they banged the season last year. It's an outdoor game, a lot of contact. And you remember first they told us no fans, just media and a few parents. I was okay with that. And then they liked not to play. And, uh, you know, again, we knew we didn't know what we know now. Probably should have played. But at the time, I understood the decision. I didn't like it, but I understood it. So we're getting ready to go play a uh, you know three-game series up there in Arlington, you know, Global Life Field. There, I can't wait to go. We're going to have you know most of our crew down there covering it for you. But uh, Chris Lamontis is kind of kind of preview, uh, you know, kind of what's left. We've already had you know a couple of scrimmages already. I guess three scrimmages already. A lot of people are high on this Bulldog team, and I'm one of them. I think you should be too. I've Spoke with some people here as of late that tell me that uh, our weekend rotation guys are all going to be drafted in the first couple of rounds. So we'll see how things kind of go from there. A lot of, lot, of, lot of expectations for this pitching staff. And it's not just the names you know. There's some guys out there you don't really know well. They're going to be your favorites by the end of the year. This is a very deep pitching staff. And, you know, I've talked to some people, you know, that if uh, – I won't mention any names – some of you can kind of draw your own conclusions. But I've talked to some people that have been, uh, shall we say, closely affiliated with Mississippi State baseball for, for decades. And just about every year when I talk to them about baseball, I always say, I think we're pretty good this year. Well, you know, we got this and we got that and we got this and we got that. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And a couple of those people are like, you know what? Hey, we're going to be really good this year. we got a chance to be really good. And I said, you know what? If you're saying this, then I need to go ahead and book a room in Omaha. You know, that's what happens. Excited about it. You should be as well. And, uh, you know, the protocols came out too. I know a lot of people are concerned about tickets, and chances are you're going to have to watch most of the games on the SEC network. The the one way to ensure you can get to go watch the Bulldogs play is to go to Arlington here in about three weeks. We're going to be up there, and we're going to have a good time. 
And hopefully we're going to come home with two or three wins. That's the hope anyway. We need to go out there and make a statement early on and show people that we're for real. We've got front-line pitching, and pitching's generally ahead of the hitters this time of year. But kind of running this thing around, you know, just looking at this, uh, you know, talking to people about how the lineup's going to shake out and you know, kind of what we expect to happen. I think, I think most everybody has a pretty good handle on uh, most everything. You know, there's a discussion, you know, left field, we might uh, platoon Pimentel and Brad Cumbest out there. We know what Rowdy's going to do in center, and we know what Tanner Allen's going to do in right. But uh, a name that I'm told to really watch for out in, uh, in left field, not, not sure, you know, kind of when he gets his opportunity, is uh, Braylon Skinner out of Lake Cormorant, Mississippi. He hit a home run over the weekend. I'm, I'm being told that that's a guy right there that's going to get some ABs, and that's a name that you need to remember. We know that Josh Hatcher's going to play at first. Man, I, 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 you know, as much as I hate that the draft was shortened the way that it did, I think Josh and Mississippi State benefit. Josh playing the best baseball of his career when they shut the season down. Uh, uh, DeBrule, grad transfer, is going to be at second base. Everybody tells me he's a dirt bag and the guy that just finds a way to get on base. He's not up there trying to hit home runs. He's trying to get on base and play team baseball because he is an irritating base runner. He's a guy that can bunt a little bit. Uh, he's a guy that can lag things out and just kind of be a terror on the base pass, not necessarily as a stolen base guy, but he's just an irritant out there, draws a lot of throws and things like that. Kind of distracts the pitcher a little bit, which should open up some things for Tanner Allen and, and Josh Hatcher there. Uh, Kellum Clark is a guy that I continue to hear will likely be your third baseman. Out of Brandon, Mississippi, it's a guy that turned down a lot of money coming to Mississippi State. Told everybody, listen, I'm going to state. Cam James, is it short? They tell me that he has made a big jump. I saw him play this, uh, this summer, and he put on about 10, 15 pounds. So we need a big year for him. That's the thing you think, okay, well, Logan Tanner – can be a right power bat, you know, and, and, you know, listen, what they tell me about Clark is, too, with Kellum Clark, is uh, if you throw him a fastball, you you better be ready to go get it. Because if you groove a fastball to him, it's going in the left field lounge. Still working on the breaking ball a little bit, but uh, most freshmen are. And so you look at that that side of the infield, you've got some youth over there, you know, with Clark and and Cam James, but, uh, you know, a lot. there's some major league potential there. There's some guys that will be pro baseball players there. And so you work your way around the infield, you feel really good. And we've talked all year about needing a right-handed stick. You know, we, we think Logan Tanner's going to be a double-digit home run guy. And that's the thing about this lineup. You look up and down this lineup, there's not a lot of holes as of yet. You know, there's going to be guys that go in slumps. That's part of baseball. But, uh, you know, the, the teams that win – Big in college baseball. Teams that can find a third starter, guys that can get you at least 500 on Sunday, and guys that can get production out of the bottom third of their order. And when you look at Mississippi State on paper, they ought to be able to do both of those things. And that's what great teams do. That's what championship teams do. That's what Omaha teams do is they get production out of the bottom third of the order and they find a way to get value out of a third starter. I think we've got the ability to do that. I look forward to the season. I think you guys do as well. Listen, I've rambled on long enough today. I'll be back again tomorrow and after we're done with signing. I don't know when it's going to be. Maybe 2 o'clock. Who knows? But once the signing class is finished, we'll recap the signing class on Wednesday and then come back on Friday. And so country music for you guys on Wednesday for the top ten list. But listen, let's have a great day today, and let's look forward to a big week. And, uh, you know, hopefully – 
we'll have some good news on Wednesday. Again, we've got a couple guys that we feel really confident about signing. It'd be great to go ahead and sign a third guy and then uh, kind of see how things progress the rest of the way. But uh, certainly need to find a defensive back somewhere and not just a guy to fill out the roster, not just go sign a guy to kind of quiet down the criticism. You go sign a guy that can play. I don't think Mike Leach cares about what we are right on social media anyway. That's it for today. Go uh, go to alphadogsthebook.com. Order yourself personalized copies of Flim Flam, Stark Villains, and Alpha Dogs. And if you're looking for Stark Villains apparel, you go to starkvillains.com. Get yourself some T-shirt and hoodies. It's going to be time to wear T-shirts pretty soon. But right now it's hoodie weather. Go order yourself one. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.